Welcome to the Boiled Owl Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live and lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. Hey, Don. I'm Sam, y'all. Sam. How you doing? I'm doing well. I had a little visitor. You did? Was it an owl? It wasn't an owl. It was another one of our feathered friends who landed on the windowsill and said, It's here! It's here! Springtime. Oh, it was a chicken. (laughs) It was a spring chicken. (laughs) Well, I'm sitting here with a famous author. Really? Who? That would be you. Me? What are you talking about? Now, weren't you published recently? Yeah, I was. So, yeah, I, so here in Greensboro, we had a, uh, a Grapevine ri- article writing workshop uh-huh. uh, last summer. Uh, grapevine? Summer, What's the Grapevine? The Grapevine is AA's meeting in print. It is the International Journal of Alcoholics Anonymous. More information can be found at aagrapevine.org. And yeah, they have, a, I learned they have an app. They do have an app. Matter of fact, that's what I use. I don't have a paper sub- subscription. I have a, an app subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we had a uh, a grapevine article writing workshop uh, uh, one Saturday here in Greensboro, and uh, two of the articles so far uh, that were submitted uh, were just published. Uh, they were published in the, the March 19 edition of Grapevine. Two of us from from here got in that very uh, cool that, that edition it was really cool um, it's kind of like a share in a meeting well kind of mine was more of an opinion oh uh, really it, it wasn't my it, it was based on my experience but it was one of those things that um i didn't know what i was going to write about when i sat down when i went to this this uh, workshop i figured i would write about my travels because i traveled internationally for four years and went to meetings all over and i'm like well that's right obviously something you'd write about and no, it turned out that when I sat down and put fingers to keyboard, it was about how, a, how AA's doing it wrong. Totally. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm going to take over and fix it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are you going to do tonight, Brain? <laughs> um, so, no, but it wound up, I, I wound up uh, writing about a, uh, a, a situation that happened at a meeting that I was uh, attending, actually after a meeting where there was some racist language um, used outside the meeting in the parking lot. And I didn't hear it, but I heard about it. And it so caught me off guard that I'd like to think I would have said something about it uh, to that person at that, that, at that time, but I don't know that I would have. That came to mind, and I wrote about that and, and about the language that we use uh, not only in the meetings— but before and after the meetings, you know, I, it's that thing of, um, I was told when I got here, keep your religion and your politics in the parking lot. Right. And it's like, well, maybe the parking lot's not quite far enough away. Yeah. It probably should be extended a little further. And yeah. It's a really good idea because you don't know what newcomer is around. You don't know. Well, you're representing AA in the parking lot as Absolutely. well as you're representing AA in the meeting. And especially after a meeting. Imagine someone who's like dropped some awesome truth bomb in the meeting and then they go and stand in the parking lot and they're a total asshole and negate everything that they just said. Mm -hmm. Does that make it just ring hollow? I 
would say yes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's what I wound up writing about, and it was um, cool. selected for for publishing, and that was that was kind of a cool experience. Yeah, I'm an artist, and I've got some AA cartoons that I've done. I really need to send some of those in. Well, yeah, they're fun. They're fun. They're not funny, but they're fun. Oh, I want to see yeah. those sometime, and I do want to 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 read your attempt to rewrite the big book. At some point, <laughs> that's gonna be unearthed. I'm Sunlight going to get my hands. Sunlight of the Spirit. I mean, I chose a, a good name for oh, it. Was that right the, oh, was that you titled it too? Yeah, that's the <laughs> name of the file. Unfortunately, I can't get into that file that I started writing when I first got sober. Was it like in Bank Street Writer or something? No, it was. <laughs> no, it was. A, I was writing in Word, but I was able to encrypt it in Word, and I encrypted it. And I have no idea. I've tried over the years again <laughs> and again and again to figure out what was the password. I don't know. Oh, I'm, sh- I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's a password cracker for a word file out there. Yeah, really. My, <laughs> my fourth step is encrypted as well. Let me have that too. I'll, <laughs> I'll work on it. Okay, we'll, we'll get onto that later. We'll get back with you on that. I, I don't believe you. <laughs> we have a guest. We do have a guest. Introduce yourself. Oh, uh, afternoon. My name is Alex S. <laughs> Alex Ass. Alex Ass? I've been called worse by people that <laughs> more probably. <laughs> but yeah. Hey, how are y'all? Hey, hey Alex, thanks for joining us, thank Alex. Thank you for having me on the very first recording of a boiled owl. This, the very first. It's, I, it's, <laughs> this wouldn't be the it's first. Your first. Oh, it's your yeah. first. Well, yeah, my well, yeah. yeah it revolves around me, like right? The, it feels like it's it's the very first time. Yeah, because yeah. we're really not professionals, but <laughs> I mean it's very it's very well produced. So <laughs> when did you get sober? I got sober in January twenty first, twenty sixteen. So a little over three years. All right. And what's your home group? My home group is uh, the the Young People's Meeting in Greensboro, Wednesday nights, the Fridays and Saturdays. Why did you come to AA? Um, uh, <laughs> for for reals, <laughs> I wanted all my shit back. <laughs> That's why I came to AA. I, you were, I was in the process of losing uh, my shit, and I wanted my shit to come back to me. So kind of the country song type of thing. Yeah, in, yeah, in reverse. Yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted. I was well. I had you know I had this. <laughs> that reminded me. I th- I had this uh, calligraphy thing that someone who did calligraphy it was this beautifully written thing, and she was going, "I messed this up," and I was going, "Can I have it?" So it was on black, and it had this beautiful lettering, and it said, "I need everything I have to be exactly who I am." And of course, it was supposed to read, I have everything I need to be exactly who, who I am. Like, I'm satisfied with what I have. But right. no, this one said, I need all my stuff. I th- I, I, it might be more accurate, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of fits today, I mean. <laughs> so you were losing stuff. I was, I was very much losing stuff. So my, my sobriety date coincides with the day my ex-wife gave me my walking papers. So that is not by coincidence. So it was, you know, I was in the process of uh, sleeping in the guest room, looking for a place to live. And, you know, by by being kicked out of that situation, I was kind of losing a lot more than that because I was, I couldn't hold a job back then. So I was losing a lot of security that I had wrapped up in being married to her. 
Oh, she, she was taking care of everything. Oh, hell yeah, she was yeah. taking care of everything. She was the, Just she leave was, me alone, let me lay on the couch I, for a I couple had, of years. I had managed some like schemes in which I could appear to be working, but uh, you know, yeah. I definitely wasn't. Um, or at least at least not enough to make any sort of meaningful income in anything that I did make. I was drinking up pretty quickly, so hmm. you know I wasn't contributing anything to the family. A lot of people when they it does happen, people come to AA to come to get get sober to get their stuff back to get out of trouble, mm-hmm. and that can be uh, an obstacle to actually letting go and really diving into the program and giving up. Because it's really the point is just that once I get my stuff back, I'll be okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that was that was made pretty clear to me that, uh, you know, that I may not get my stuff back. And as, as it mm. turned out, I didn't, you know, I, we ended up getting divorced. I didn't move back in or anything with her. But, you know, there was some there was some truth along the way of getting sober that I, I don't I don't know if I had been sober my whole life. I don't know if I would have gotten married to her in the first place, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would have ended up in North Carolina. There, you know, but I mean, you can play that game as long as you want, you know. Mm-hmm. What could have, would have, should have, but well, that's kind of what the expression means that uh, I would not, I'll not regret the past. Is I mean, that's what got me here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what got me to a place I can live better. Right, and and my experience is. Is exactly that. It's my experience, and that's what. That's why. That's why I'm here today. That's why I'm sober right now. And, you know, it's it's just as easy, to, uh, you know, you play that that mind game again. But as an alcoholic, be like, well, without any of that experience, without her asking me to leave, without all that stuff, I may have never gotten sober. That it took what it took. Yeah. Well, you know, and the the thing that that kicks into play for me is is that as an alcoholic. I actually had that gift of desperation to do something to change my life where so many people out there are living miserable lives, but it's not miserable enough. Enough, (laughs) And so they're never going to do the work that's required in a 12 step program to actually look at themselves and, and, and give up some shit and and be willing to be changed. And I mean, I say, I, I say, I want to get my shit back. You say gift of desperation. And I, you can make an argument that it's about the same thing for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, because I'm, I'm still very much a like egotistical, selfish, self-centered person about a great many things, and like at that point in my life, getting stuff back was bottom, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that was all I was concerned about. Now, when you came in to because you wanted to get your stuff back, did you actually intend to stop drinking and 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 live sober, or was it like? I just got to get my sh- my shit back. Uh, so yeah, like uh, like I got to yeah, I got to save face for like the cops, right? Like I, I I did that a couple of times. It was like, are you going to AA meetings? And I'm like, yes, officer. Like, like <laughs> right, they signed my paperwork and everything. Like, <laughs> um, you know, I I don't know if I intended to just stay sober long enough to get my stuff back, or if I really intended to live a sober life when I first came in. I think what I think what happened was I came in to get my stuff back and I I found something better. That was, you know, way cool, way cooler than stuff. Yeah. 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 And uh you know, that's why that's why I stuck around. You know, I love so one of our traditions has a word that was removed from it a while ago 
And so the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. It used to say an honest desire oh, yeah. to stop drinking. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if mine was necessarily an <laughs> honest desire to stop drinking. Exactly. I don't even know if I really had a desire to stop drinking. I just knew that if I wanted to if I wanted to get my stuff back again, yeah. I had to stop drinking. So <laughs> you know, but I I came in and that's I found a you know, I found I found people that were happy. Why did you choose to go to AA? I mean, had you heard of it before? Yeah, I think it was just because of, I had a familiarity with it from DUIs and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't, I honestly didn't know where else I would have gone. Um, I don't think the thought of going to like a, a rehabilitation facility jumped into my head at all. Me neither. Um, I didn't know about it. I didn't know about re yeah, I'm, I mean treatment centers and I knew, I knew they, ex I mean, I knew they existed, but not in the context of like my life. I was just, I was like, cause that day that I was asked, you know, like, I'm going to need you to start finding another place to live. Um, I needed an answer that day. Like in that moment for me, I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? Cause, this, cause that's how I got out of all my problems. Right. I need to make this big grand, like standing ovation of like what I'm doing to mm -hmm. make things right and uh i need to do it now and um like the and just because i you know again with duis and things that was the first thing that i was like aa meetings i can go do i can do aa meetings right now and uh that first what was that first meeting like it was i don't know it didn't yeah it was just like a lot of it was just a lot because you know i just i i'd got i'd finally gone Several hours without drinking. Um, yeah. So yeah. things are very like, yeah. there's a lot of words Different. flying around. There's a lot of like <laughs> feelings being had. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell is where going on. Uh, where did you go? Which meeting do you recall? Uh, Early Bird in Winston-Salem. Oh, okay. I don't remember what location it was, but I believe it was like 7 or 8.30. Like every day of the week. Early, those early morning meetings, yeah. No, no, no. no. In, the, in the evening. Oh, Early Bird <laughs> in the evening. Yeah, something like that. Okay. I could I could be entirely mistaken though. I just, it, no, it was morning. It was morning. It, it was morning. <laughs> the sun looks the same. It was the winter time. It's always dark. <laughs> but yeah, so I that was and uh that was my that let's see the twenty twenty first, and then I didn't. I knew there was this thing called a big book. Uh, I knew that I was going to have to read it at some point. Did you connect with people in that first meeting, or did you wait a I while? I sure did not. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I, I went and just was just like, what is going you on? You just looked it up and went to a meeting. Yeah, and then uh, and then I came home, and I actually I had to make a separate trip for this. I, I found like this pirated, I don't know if it was pirated, I don't know. I found a copy of the big book online. You like, stole a big book? Oh, no. A Digitally, even. A PDF, oh, no. and I printed it out, and then I had to go to Staples to buy a ream of paper to finish printing <laughs> because it was one sided, like huge font. <laughs> so that, that, that big book ways. probably cost you it, more than the, than buying oh, one. Definitely, definitely. It was like a $30 there's, big book. It's easier ways. And, uh, printed to get it that off literature. And I, just, I just started, you know, did paint. it mean anything to you? The um, big book? I honestly, I don't think it did. Yeah. I, I don't I, think I retained anything. I just, but, I, but I wanted to have that. Like, it might be like, I read the book. Like I had that in my pocket already. Be uh -huh. like, yeah, that that was like my first kind of real exposure to the. Oh, well, I don't well know when did I you connect to AA? 
the first time. Um, felt like, oh, this is something I'm really going to do here. I don't know if it was too gradual to pinpoint. It might be because I, I don't. From that first meeting on, I don't really remember having like a huge desire to really drink ever again. Hmm. It was mm-hmm. like, but I don't know if I was thinking about it in those terms in that context at that time. Right? Uh, that that describes my experience when I finally gave up. It was a, I, I when I looked back on it, that obsession was gone. Mm-hmm. But, but what I got clear on was I needed to work the steps in order to keep it gone. Right. And and here's the and this is actually a relatively like new thing in my life is like I'm fairly sure so I've been I haven't had a drink in a little over 3 years, right? Mm-hmm. I'm fairly sure that I haven't you know when you say been sober like I don't know if I've been sober for 3 years. I think I've just been dry for a big majority of it. That's well, a legitimate thing to say. I right? mean like yeah. I like work work steps and like had a, got a sponsor and had sponsors, you know, relatively few sponsees, but a few and like service position. But it was like, it was just kind of like, I know, I know the steps that people are doing to make this happen. So I'm just like going to parrot a lot of that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but the cool thing is, is wait a that- minute, wait a minute. I got to stop. Oh, what? So what do you mean you're dry <laughs> and you're not, it, let me ask you this: Are you? I don't think I've been living like a like when we say we live a sober life. I don't think I've been doing that for a vast majority of my sobriety. So, so what I would ask you to help Don, if I'm going to preempt you here, I think is what's your definition of sober? What does sober mean to you? So, am I? You know, I read the book and I've read the steps, but I don't. I can't say with. Did you do the steps? I did do the steps, but I don't think I've been really bringing a like I go into the rooms and I take my life into the rooms but I haven't been doing a whole lot to take the rooms out into my life interesting okay okay do you have uh re- resentment that you in your daily life that you can't deal with you have anger based on or shame based on old behavior that is dictating um and putting pressure on you making you feel like you want to get out of yourself and consequently drink? <laughs> no, I don't really have that. But like I said, this is this is kind of like a new thing for me. And I don't think I've ever really had the desire to go back out and drink. Now, I, I can't say that I haven't had drinking thoughts before. Well, yeah. But I, I feel like there's a distinction right. between so, those two. Well, so one of the things that, that I mean, and, and it I think there's a, a line in, in, maybe it's a 12 and 12. Anyway, we're not rendered white as snow. You right. know, the changes that have happened for me in my alcoholism, but let's call it for what it really is. My assholeism mm-hmm. um, has been gradual. You know, it's, it's something that has taken time and it's taken, you know, step two steps forward and one step back type of stuff and, and all that. So, you know, the sobriety that I'm hearing you talk about um, is the emotional sobriety mm-hmm. that um, Bill Wilson wrote. Um, there's a couple of books out on emotional sobriety now, I think. Uh, but uh, they're they're comprised of essays by Bill, I think, um, that are talking about you know advanced recovery, if you will. It's it's the 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 later years of recovery where he looked back on this and realized the changes that had happened and were happening. But being sober really felt different to me than I thought it was going to feel. 
having a higher power was a way different than I thought it was going to. I had a, all kinds of misconceptions about that. And it's just all of it's different than, than my preconceptions. I remember the first time I was describing to uh, some people at the meeting, I was going, <clears throat> I don't know, just I'm feeling like uh, there's no pressure to do anything. But it's also like, okay, not to do anything. But it's kind of like uh, I should feel some anxiety or something and I'm not feeling everyone oh you're feeling serenity and I was going what <laughs> no I'm bored I'm bored <laughs> yeah oh, the same thing and that's that's really to what an alcoholic was. they seem to be that's I'm, what I thought I got all sorts of serenity but yeah, I mean, so what I'm hearing you say is, you know, yes, you, you stop drinking, you've worked the steps, you, you've taken, you've done the work in the steps. I, I would assume that you have made some amends, if not all of them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's definitely some. There's probably some men. That, that was one of those steps that really kind of. I was like, I made amends, and then I didn't. You know, they. I had probably expectations of what, what was going to happen when I made those amends, and they just didn't live up. Like I, I was like, man, I don't feel any better. Oh, and, uh-huh. you know, there was a lot of like, yeah, because it's not about you, you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but. So so you have you've you've done the work of the steps and consequently, the whole reason that we do them, at least that first go round, is so that the the desire to drink is removed and stays gone. And that's why I continue to do this stuff in my life. And a, uh, a phrase that's been used to me many times that I've used with sponsees is the path narrows. And that thing is, you know, it's, it's the broad and roomy, what is it? The broad highway. Broad highway, yeah. Um, but as I have spent time in this, living this 12-step life, the, it's not as wide because I'm willing, I'm not willing to deal with the pain of my behavior as much as I was earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's turned me into a wuss. I mean, there there are things that I used to say and do that there's no way I would say and do today, just because I'm going to feel like shit having right. done it. Right, and that's the stuff that I drank at those that yeah. feeling inside that pressure. Uh, and that's why I was asking about the shame, Alex, because it's like it's making the amends. What I discovered at, over time after making amends was even though there was that didn't go the way I wanted it to go necessarily, there's those couple instances where I really would have liked uh, effusive forgiveness, and I didn't get that at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and, and I didn't get that. And I think as, as just kind of humans, really, like we kind of want, we, we want catharsis, right? We want mm-hmm. to, to settle the score and maybe, you know, it, it doesn't feel right and natural to kind of sit in it. And I think that's why we like stress out about it a whole mm-hmm. lot. But, and when we don't get that, it's yeah. like even more, it's like, oh, I want to double down on this shit. Yeah. So, but I can't, but I keep going like in one instance, one of those instances with some bad behavior that I did. When it comes up and I start feeling that again, I'm going, I made amends. I've done all I can do. I give this feeling to God and I'll move on to try to think about somebody else. Is this like from stealing cadmium red or something? (laughs) So it was way worse. (laughs) It was way worse. We're not doing a. Fifth step here. So. Oh, oh. Well, I, I got a hold of your fourth step. So. It's encrypted. Though. Yeah, but it's encrypted. 
With, Let's who, see. who would have thought? Writing in crayons is not really encrypting. <laughs> who, who would have thought the ultimate encryption was in 1996 <laughs> word? <laughs> yeah, really? No one can crack it. Password stored in clear text. <laughs> right. <laughs> so in sobriety, well, tell me this, in working the steps, was any of the steps, what is one of them that was like really grabbed hold of you and it was really different and you got something out of it. You really felt like that something's happening here from working this step. I mean, I think my fifth step really, you know, that sitting, sitting down with someone and and it was just, it was something I'd never even thought that I would do. You know, I had all these deep, dark secrets that I'm just about to unload on someone. Right. And, uh, and I had full trust that none of that was going to go any farther than to that to that individual that I gave my fist step to. You know, it was very relieving to to know that. You know, I got done with I got done with my fist step, and he's like, "Congratulations, you're a fucking alcoholic." Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like nothing nothing blew him away, which is like I was really worried about. Like, you're about to find out how much of a shithead I am. And he's like. I'm a shithead too. Like we're all in this together. (laughs) But you know, doing, doing that. And then, you know, he left and I I did my, you know, set and quiet meditation for an hour and really thought about what I just told someone you know, that I never thought I would tell someone, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that was a powerful experience. And and, in all honesty, there was, there was maybe an item or two that I didn't tell him eventually, but I eventually did tell someone in the program, things that I may have left off on that mm-hmm. first fifth step. And when I, and when I got, you know, when I admitted to those things, like, Hey, surprise, I felt it. I felt just as good as when I did the first, like I, I'm mad. I didn't do it again the first time that mm-hmm. way. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. You, you saw the benefit of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, when I sit down with a sponsee to, or, or anyone to listen to a fifth step, I, one of the first questions that I ask them or request is like, so what is, what is the one thing you don't want to tell me? Go on and tell me now. <laughs> Get it over Start with. There. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. Now, was that, how many sponsors have you had? I don't know. Can I have half a sponsor? I had a, t- yeah, some of them qualify. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was, a, he was a great person. He was a, I had a, I had a temporary sponsor in Winston cause I knew I wasn't, gonna be in winston much longer uh-huh. i was like hey man i just need a temporary sponsor to get me till i move and he's like yeah so i had, I had counting him i'll count it. he's a good guy so I'll, he'll be a whole person oh <laughs> um three yeah three i had one in winston and then one in high point and now the one i have now currently which yeah based, we share we share yeah so this is we, based we, on have, we have the around. same full, we have uh, the same sponsor full so. podcast disclosure yeah, we're all about transparency here. <laughs> yeah, right. The, but each time you got a sponsor, it was when you moved. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I think it, it was. It was more just I, I kind of needed that. At least consistently, I can I can almost guarantee that I'll see my sponsor at least once a week, right? Yeah. Um. That that was kind of the the major drive for why I was switching. Yeah, long distance sponsorship is not something I I can see me doing. I, I you know my move was thirty minutes away, but I was spending all my time in, in an hour away from Greensboro, and so that's where I got a sponsor was where mm-hmm. I was doing my recovery in Durham. Yeah, uh, if you're if you're not seeing your sponsor, how can how you can't really be having a relationship? Yeah, um, and 
face-to-face at least once a week, it seems to me. I think I really need that because I, I need somebody looking at me because I can't see myself. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got a, a sponsee who is, uh, is moving to Ohio shortly. And, you know, we've, we've talked that, you know, a friendship has developed as well. And it's been a short period of time I've been sponsoring him. And so we're going to continue to have phone conversations and I'm going to be a resource for him while he is getting settled in Ohio. But he's charged with getting a sponsor there yeah, quickly. That's good. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm here for you, but yeah, <laughs> I'm I, not a crutch. I had a sponsor uh, move for two years to New York to for school, mm-hmm. and while he was there, he got a local sponsor. I, I didn't talk to him once for about nine months. It was great when I. Uh, it was great. Qualify. It was great. I feel you. It was great. <laughs> finally. I love you. Me time too. Calling me up with your problems. <laughs> but no, it was uh, great because I got to see him after nine months, and as soon as I was like worried, I don't know what I was worried. I was worried that the whole thing was like we weren't really that good of friends. And when we, uh, I went to New York to see him. Mm-hmm. And when I got up there, it was just like, we were, you know what it was? He was getting a master's of divinity and he was in school. Oh there. yeah. Okay. And I was feeling like, who am I? I hadn't, you know, I barely graduated high school. So it, it's just bizarre in AA. We are people who I would not normally could mix. end up <laughs> with friends who are gay mm-hmm. and I have Friends, I, at one point I was sponsoring two ministers, and I was like a confirmed atheist. What is going on here? It's, it, but, I'm, but I'm not anymore. I'm not that person anymore. But It's crazy. I mean, I, I went from the last sponsor that I had in Durham was a late 50s or early 60s uh, uh, gay man who was an atheist. And then when I moved here to Greensboro, I got a 30-something straight married with a kid Episcopalian minister. <laughs> nice. Um, and it was fantastic. Both yeah. were really good experiences. Yeah. I, 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 my experience with sponsor, like getting, getting a sponsor and be, it's always been kind of, I don't know, the oddest kind of confluence of circumstances happens. And it's just like, yeah, this is kind of who I need to have right now. Cause my first, not my first temporary sponsor, my first one in high point, you know, he's a great, he's a great guy. And I think he was, you know, the person that I needed at that moment to help me get through some steps. Mm-hmm. And then even though he's just half a man, no, 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 no. this is a full man. This is oh, a full okay. man. <laughs> he's all man. Trust <laughs> me. <laughs> but as, as, as you know, time went on and, the, and then I moved to Greensboro, it was, you know, it was time, it was time for a change. And lo and behold, like another sponsor, another opportunity presented itself for sponsorship that I think I do. I really need it. That's the one that I have now. So if there's anybody listening who's like going, well, they're keep, they keep talking about sponsors and AA. How do you choose a sponsor? Man, I don't know if I've chosen um, a sponsor the same way in any of those circumstances. My that first that first temporary sponsor was very much kind of like out of necessity. The guy sitting next to me, like, mm-hmm. hey, will you sponsor me? He's like, I'm on step three. I'm like, that's three more than I got. Like, let's do this. And then in High Point, that sponsor, I, I was, like, the joke me and him always had was he told me that, like, he informed me that he was my sponsor. You know, I was like, hey, man, do you know? I was, like, very timid and kind of, 
He's like, yeah, no, you're my sponsee now. I was like, yeah. okay, this is wonderful. He grabbed you, yeah. <laughs> and then um, and the, my current sponsor was maybe a bit more thought went into it. Be like, who, who's practicing a program that I admire and respect and would like to emulate to some degree? There you go, yeah. And, you know, that's what that's what I'm looking for. And if in so many other regards, I can practice this kind of behavior be like what is something that i'm looking for i know how to go out and get it but when you know i lose my mind when it comes to sponsorship like i freak out about it be like man it's who has what you want Mm -hmm. and then go get that you know it's it's and i have yet to meet this sponsor that was like nope (laughs) well well, i mean sometimes you know you're like i got 30 sponsors i can't handle it that's one thing but that does happen yeah Mm -hmm. people have asked me and i've had too many sponsors to take somebody new at the time and to to be able to dedicate enough time right to to be there for them so at that point and that but that's not a lack of desire on your part it's just a lack of you know there's only so much time and you know you got to to take on another sponsor, you would to be to the detriment of your others. You know that's not very responsible, and know. and potentially detriment to that sponsor as well, and potentially detrimental to you. Yeah, my experience on this has been that um, I'm really not good at picking sponsors. Yeah, yeah, because like I pick people I want to impress. Oh, so what I have found has worked best for me. My first sponsor came along because I asked someone to be my sponsor. And he said no, and he suggested a sponsee of his, and I was like, no, it took everything I had in me to ask you, so I can't <laughs> ask him. And I was talking with friends about that after a meeting, and one sitting beside me said, well, Sam, I'll be your temporary sponsor. And she was my temporary sponsor for four years. Very temporary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then I chose a sponsor, and I chose a sponsor, and I chose a sponsor, and I wound up doing some stupid shit and starting over, and then a sponsor was assigned to me. Another sponsor was presented to me. I moved back here to Greensboro. I asked who's a good sponsor for me, and I got the priest, and then I wound up getting our current sponsor um, by asking a friend in Durham. I was talking with him, and he was like, why don't you ask this guy wow. here in Greensboro? And that's who I wound up asking, and, uh, and it worked out beautifully. Um, yeah, the- so what I've, what I've found, and I make a suggestion to people in the rooms, is like, you know, we hear that thing of, you know, you know who's, who's, uh, look, look who's talking the talk and walking the walk. Um, but it's also that thing of, I take it a step further, and it's like, who is somebody in the rooms that you trust that looks like they're, they're living a good program and then ask them who they think would be a good sponsor for you. I like that. That's the step remove. It's like a double blind study at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, ta- it takes my picking out of it because I'm like, it's a good move. It's yeah, worked. It's good. worked out. Sam, who should my sponsor be? <laughs> I think you should sponsor yourself. You know what? I think not. <laughs> I'm going to, obviously, I'm the deciding vote on this one, so. <laughs> so you mentioned service. Uh, you what? have a service position. <laughs> What's the answer to life? I was singing this thing, how well, well produced you are. That's, you got that's after you the got recording. Two questions? <laughs> Everybody started looking so at me, and I realized, I don't have a question. Show is this. Service representative? Say it with confidence. No, I say nothing with confidence. <laughs> <laughs> I am an alternate GSR as well. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I do, uh, I do the work when the GSR can't show up. But it's important for me to be kind of tuned into what's happening. So mm-hmm. I've kind of Velcroed to him at me, uh, 
area meetings and things like that. And you know, should something happen, which looks like it, something may be happening, I can appropriately step into the role. How many people in their third year are doing that? Uh, I want the exact number. That's a good. That's a good time to start. Uh, actually, I at agree. the end of one year is a good time to start doing service work. If you've worked all the steps. What my, the reason I said it the way I said it is that there are so many people who will not give service a shake at all. And, yeah. and here you've stepped up and taken on a service position for our home group. I that, mean, selfishly so. It, well, it, it was nothing we do is purely altruistic. <laughs> so why is it selfish? Oh, because I got tired of hearing that announcement, right? Like, who's... <laughs> We need an alternate. And I was like, shut you up. I don't don't think it was that Okay, if you'll shut up, I'll do it. It may have been. That's that's some willingness there. It may have been a bit hyperbolic. But uh, but no, it was, I mean, kudos to to our GSR who, he like rolled in deep. It was like, I'll sign me up GSR. And really it was was his kind of first leap into service. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he, he like went gangbusters in the program, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? And like, we're super tight. So I saw him do it and I was like, well, if I'm going to roll into this with somebody, I'd rather do it with him. That's awesome. So that's that's really what my motivation was for kind of joining. It's for jo- kind of, Joining for doing service work. <laughs> <laughs> it's all service work is uh, what it really does for you beyond what you're providing as a GSR or alternate GSR is being the conduit for the group conscious of the meeting to the larger district mm-hmm. and then from the district to the area and then from the area to the general service conference general service conference and then back and then back and so it's like the little the members of AA are connected from that to the whole structure of AA to make sure the whole thing runs for everyone mm-hmm. so Oh, that's great. That's like the warm glow of service that you get. But I mean, it's not. It's not. Really, and then there's the business meetings. It's, it's not really <laughs> tangible. Yep. Yeah. I'll, I'll go. To, I'll go to area over a business meeting any day. But what you really, like well, what you really get out of it though is just connection to other people in the meeting. So, like, if you're cl- helping clean up when you're new and you help clean up at the end of the meeting, you're talking to other people, mm-hmm. and you're making connections, and then you're like inside of AA, part of AA, instead of just going to meetings and sitting at the back and looking at and being a fringe like dweller. that's the name of the game, right? Like, I, on, like I, I've been sitting, most of this week I've been running this thought through my head, is like how much of, of AA and like living like we were discussing at the beginning like living a sober life like what does that mean Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of it comes down to this idea of connection right and if you always hear you always hear that in the meetings like if you're living on the edges or whatever like you know you want to be in the middle of the program Mm -hmm. well it's hard to not live in the middle of the program if you're cultivating and working on connections connections with with the group with people in the group with your higher power with you know, everyone. And if you're working on those connections, it's kind of hard to not live a sober life. Or at least... That's you know, the that's, opposite. That's, that's the, and that's just me throwing stuff against a window, right? A wall, right? No, now. that's yeah. that's it. It is it. Yeah, that's it. That's the opposite of living a drunk life, which is right. being self-centered, completely <laughs> well, involved with myself and my feelings and my thinking and my solutions. 
and getting out of all of that and running from the world and that's that's what I did drinking was and disconnect from ex- the world and that's and that was the one of the big problems I had when I got so so I went I got sober and I I'd never I'd never finished college and that was always like a big ticket item for me right mm-hmm. and I got sober and I was like you know what I've been sober for 72 hours I can go back to school like it really was that like I got I got sober in January I was enrolled in I was enrolled to go back in college that or April okay and so for the next two years that's like all I did was just school 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 just kind of punch that ticket out did you do it did I, I, did, I did do it I'm, and now I'm going back in the fall um I wanted more I wanted more school but it sounds like you might be addicted. Maybe I mean, if I, I uh, maybe if I stay sober long enough, I'll go back to school and, and get a college education, which I didn't get. It's a, it's I haven't done it either. It's not everything. But we sound really good, so yeah, it's okay. Sound good. You do have you do have good voices for podcasting. I think you're onto something. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So yeah, so so went back to school, and that was like I'm living in my mind at the time. I I was rationalizing and allowing myself to be very insular. And being like, I got to finish school because that's what I want to do. I think it's a good sober thing to do. But I was disconnecting from everything else because I was so Consumed. so focused on going back and finishing school. It's big. Yeah, I mean, it was big, but it wasn't. It wasn't that big. It wasn't so big that I got to just like write everything, write the world off around me. So, you, so you realized you were doing that, did? How how far into school did you realize that that was going on? Oh, this is like in the past like month I've like figured this out. Oh, <laughs> I got okay. done with school. so like like when I go back to school I've got to really be like okay you know what you know at least keep a day or two off to focus on being a part of the human race. But well, that's that's but hard. I, you, that's learning from experience, but I've, and trying to get some balance in into things. I mean. We're obsessive people. Bill says we're enthusiasts. enthusiasts. Bill Wilson. So you are definitely an enthusiast. Yeah. So whatever, jump into, jump into it enthusiastically hands for about and feet two and weeks. Just do it. Get, you know, let it become all-consuming and completely take over my life. Exactly. And that just feels natural. So it's you know it it is sobriety even though you don't feel like you're sober there's a little bit of sobriety creeping in there with you going like maybe I'm going to pull back a little bit and have a little balance <laughs> and then that yeah and that's and that's kind of the point I was trying to make is like if the name of the game is trying to like form and build and cultivate all these connections i need to be kind of aware of behavior that is really getting in the way of that and it's and there's definitely a balance that it can be struck between something like going to school and having a job and doing AA and all these things, it's just a matter of, am I willing to sit down and find it? Or am I more willing to just be like, all right, let's just buckle down and do nothing but school. Right. And just, I'll get back to everything else when every, when, you know, my shit's on fire. <laughs> like I'll put that out later. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. and so it requires some, some mindfulness yeah. and, and that willingness. And then it requires discipline too to follow up on that willingness. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I would say so. So yeah, you're sober. You've you've been declared. I've <laughs> been declared. I, I Thank de- you. I declare you sober as well. Oh, I appreciate that. It's very sweet. So, but you know, I mean, so talking about this thing of making the connections and everything is it, it really is the the secret to enjoying my sobriety. Yes. 
Um, I, you know, could I stay sober if I didn't have the connections? Yes, maybe, but it's probably going to be more like being dry. I'm going to be assholish more so than usual. Um, but you this, keep saying that. I don't think I've ever seen you be an asshole. <laughs> That's because I'm on stage. Uh, <laughs> I've seen it. No, you haven't. <laughs> Shut up, Don. Uh, <laughs> but this this business of making those connections is is hugely important, and the, I think a thing that uh, can be easily missed by people who are coming in is that those connections are not made, or it's really hard to make them in the meetings. You got to stick around. You got to be there before the meeting, after the meeting, go do something with people. Just in the, that one hour of the meeting, it's really hard to make connections. I had and still continue to have like a really big problem with being willing to put myself out there in a position to make connections, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, like you and me are friends. Don, you seem pretty cool. I like you. But it took, how long do you think it took before we ever actually like had a conversation? It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, it took a while. Right. And, and, and that's kind of the story yeah. of a lot of my interactions with people in AA. And I don't think that's necessarily, you know, I think I, I, think I do may have some like outside kind of anxiety issues around people that I don't know. And, you know, that's no one kidding. thing. <laughs> well, but, but see, now throw on top of that, this, I've got the same type of thing going on. So it's not just that you were a while in communicating. It was me too. Yeah, it's a two-way street. And what happened is that other people in our home group hang out after the meeting, in, in the meeting space. And we did too. And we were part of this larger group conversation and it started allowing for relationships to be built. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like two people running off and having a conversation. <laughs> it's being a part of a larger conversation that allows me allowed me to get to know you, your sense of humor, the way that you're brilliant. Um, don't no, let it go to your head. No, no. Um, but uh, you know, stuff like that. That like there. Here's something I can talk with Alex about. That type of thing. Or Alex is approachable. I can talk to him. And and. And very and very much this. I think one of the things about it too is if you're if you're the type of person that's, you know, not maybe approaching people or being approached is not necessarily your strong suit. You know, it's a lot of just at least for me it was if I just stick around long enough, I will know enough about someone or someone will get to know enough about me that a conversation will happen. And once once a conversation starts, I'm very I'm very much more open to the idea of having having a friendship with someone. It's just kind of like getting over that initial hump of meeting people is kind of crappy, but but it happens. If, but it happens if, if, you, if you allow yourself to be around other people yeah, and stick around long enough, hang around with the group <laughs> instead of run yeah. off by yourself. We need to make some connections with other people. It's time for our old-timers question. Who you calling an old-timer? You. That's what happens if you don't drink and you don't die. Well, that's what happens as long as we stay sober one day at a time. Sonny. (laughs) (laughs) You can post a question for us on boiledowlaa.org. We have a question all the way from Fiji. 
Fiji. This is from Patches in Fiji. I'm depending on you, Patches. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need the music background now. <laughs> Does this really work? When is the pain going to go away? Wow. Yes, this really works. I mean, who can say when the pain will go away? But the pain will go away if I apply myself to the steps and go through the process of doing all those. And it's the experience of the people in the AA that that's the case. The hard part is trusting up front that this is going to work. I didn't believe it, but I also didn't have a choice. Going to AA was a last-ditch effort. And it was like, I, as far as I was concerned, my life was over anyway. It's going to be from now on one long, gray day of boredom. <laughs> and no it's truly more, proven to be that, right? No more fun. You, you, you haven't <laughs> laughed in 24 years. <laughs> There's nothing but canasta. And nothing, <laughs> nothing but... And black coffee. <laughs> Nothing but black coffee, canasta, and white bread. And, you know, okay, that's the way it's going to have to be. I'm sober. And then sure enough, I found out it wasn't like that at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, my creativity came back. You, I don't know when the pain went away, but the spontaneous joy came back for me at about a year because I was taking a shower. and I was First one in a year? Oh, I had taken a lot of them. Good thing this is a podcast. <laughs> but they were silent. <laughs> and I started singing in the shower, and I was going, what are you doing? I what? used to sing in the shower. Do you remember what you sang? Patches, I'm <laughs> depending on your son to, to pull, pull the family through. My son, it's all left up to you. you. <laughs> and I said to myself, this is wonderful. I can sing. Well. <laughs> and there you have it. Uh, so spontaneous joy. Spontaneous joy. <laughs> that was definitely a moment. Spontaneous Spont joy. <laughs> spontaneous joy doesn't happen when you're in pain. It's true. What about you, Alex? <laughs> Spontaneous joy? When to, well, read, better read the question. So, <laughs> Patches in Patches. Fiji asks, yeah. <laughs> uh, does this really work? When is the pain going to go away? I, think, I mean, yeah, it really works. I, mean, I didn't need a whole lot of evidence of that. Just being in the rooms and, you know, you talk to, the, you talk to people that have been around long enough. I, don't, I didn't need a whole lot of proof that it worked. But I definitely relate to, like, when is this? When am I going to stop feeling like this? You know, I think I think that went away when when I was when I was ready to stop feeling like that and willing to do the things I needed to do to stop feeling that way, which was oddly enough wrapped up in a lot of service work. Um, you hmm. know, help helping other people has an amazing ability to help you feel better. If you feel like shit, I would I would suggest that. Connect That's fantastic. Yeah, I tell I, I tell my I tell my sponsees that from time to time if they're kind of up in their head, be like, look, I want you to, I, you know, I'm suggesting go go help someone and don't tell anybody. I don't want to know about it, and you need to be okay with the fact that no one's going to know it was you. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fantastic. I do that all the. I help people all the time and don't tell anybody. All the, I was helping <laughs> right before I came here. I was helping. <laughs> she was a little old lady. 
Sweet as pie. <laughs> I got her groceries well, I, in the house. Not but not. <laughs> and she said, here's a dollar. I said, you keep that old lady. <laughs> I feel good as shit. <laughs> and don't tell anybody. Don't, don't tell, tell anybody. anybody. <laughs> shit. <laughs> But it really is that thing of, of that self-centeredness, that, that being all up in my head mm-hmm. and then going and helping somebody gets me out of my head. Yeah, it's, it's the it, worst place for me to be. Yes. You know, for me, the, the pain, I, what, I'm, what I'm hearing in that question, when is the pain going to go away, is, is I'll actually, what is the pain for me? It's the fear. All mm. this fear that I was carrying around of... I'm going to cause more problems or the problems that I have caused are going to cause me even more problems. Um, I'm going to run into somebody that I don't want to run into. Uh, All kinds of stuff like that was going on. And so the ninth step was where that really started changing for me. Ninth step. What's that? Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Thank you very much, Don. That was read with a very professional voice. Wait, that's the... That's the step. Oh, you did the wrong one? Shit. <laughs> um, wait, wait, how many? <laughs> three. <laughs> Whew, okay, that's the, that's the program I did. Well, actually, there's 13, but hey. Uh, and in Crystal Meth Anonymous, there's 14. The 14th step is you get your teeth back. Yeah? Oh, my God. It's a, it's a joke. It's okay. I, they taught it to me. I can say it. Dun, wow. dun. <laughs> um, but no, seriously. So, I mean, you know, I came in here. I stopped drinking. So I, that instantly, like, made me feel a little better just because I stopped creating so much chaos with the drinking. And then I started, oh, I don't know, paying some bills and shit. And that meant things started getting caught up. But then when I finally worked the steps and I did this ninth step, and and I love that it says in those ninth step promises, we'll be amazed before we get halfway through. Halfway through what? Halfway through the ninth step. So I got part way. I just got a few amends done. And I was able to walk anywhere. I was able to go anywhere, look anybody in the eye. There was no one that I was avoiding at that point. I was willing to make amends to people. And I'm actually, I'm kind of glad you brought up. I was just thinking when you, so when you said there's no one you're trying to avoid and I feel to some degree, I was more worried about this maybe than I would have been if I had gotten sober, I don't know, 20, you know, 10, 15 years ago is that now technology is, is where it's at, that it's obscenely easy to find people that I have harmed. <laughs> and, you know, it's, I, I ended up reaching out and getting in contact with a guy whose tires I slashed in college years ago because we got into a bar fight and we'd been friends all through high school. We went to the same college and we weren't, we weren't like super close, but we got into a bar fight and I was super pissed. And I slashed his tires and he had some really this is in Alabama. He had like super nice tires on his truck, right? They were really big. They were really expensive. That's why I didn't make <laughs> like fess up to it. But I reached out to him. I told I told him what I had done all those years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, he was like, "Yeah, I knew it was you." And I was like, "Well, I knew you knew it was me when you sent the cops to my house." <laughs> but I also knew you didn't have the proof at the time to convict me, and that's why they left. So uh, you know, I felt like I got off scot free years ago when when that happened. You know, I finally, re- finally reached out to him, got, told him what happened, I told him I was working a program, did all the good night step stuff, and he was like, you know, that meant a lot to me. And, 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 that, was, and that was less of, of you know, a recommendation of, like, you should go do your night step because awesome shit happens, you know, halfway through. But 
like the ability to go do night steps now is so much easier and you have so much more ability to go back and make that connection and do it properly and reach out to people that you probably wouldn't have been able to reach out to 10, 15 years ago, you know? That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. That is a really good point. And having that willingness to do it is is where the, the key is. Mm-hmm. Because there are people that uh, that I was not able to find. There, there were people that I, ninth steps, there were amends that I could not do. And that's okay. Yeah. I'm prepared to do them should that opportunity ever present. But I was not able to. Um, and, and they're gone now. So th- it's not going to happen. But it is one of those things that is is just a, a, I think it's one of the most powerful things that we've got in this program, and that is cleaning up the wreckage, making amends to people that we've harmed. Uh, and it made me makes me feel not like shit. <laughs> it's, it's freedom. Yeah. The ninth step is the real freedom, I think. That's when I began to really feel it. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And then you throw on top of that, we've got these other this this business of working with others, this twelve step work where I'm working directly with an alcoholic, trying to help them get what we've got. Um, that in itself is fantastic. But you know, the the helping others, it's not just people in AA; it's just helping others. Yeah, and that's I feel like it was kind of getting flirted with early, when I first got here today. It was you know when I when I when I brought up that I was bringing my world into the rooms and I wasn't bringing the rooms back out into my world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, I'm told to practice these principles in all my affairs, not just, you know, pick and choose and do what I want. Sometimes it's, you know, I need to be loving and caring and compassionate to everyone, not just those in the rooms. I need to be giving of my time, you know, whenever, whenever it's feasible for me to do. Alex, I think you're doing it. <laughs> do it, doing what? I think you're I'm being definitely sober. Doing whatever it is I'm doing. Yeah, I'm sitting in a chair. That's something I got. <laughs> <laughs> Those are words to describe things. Yeah. <laughs> what more you got? <laughs> Alex is good with words. I can tell. Thanks for being there. Oh, Absolutely. Thank Thanks so me. much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Catch that out, Alex. I didn't oh, want you to no. kill it. Oh, no. Now we got to get a new owl. All right. Thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. Visit us at boiledowlaa.org or email giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous in your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Al AA is produced by members of AA and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services. Poor Al. <laughs> I love that Al. Can we boil it? <laughs> I guess so. Owl now. stew. <laughs> Where do we get the boiled owls? <laughs> we when our guests, when disrespectful our, guests, when our guests kill one of them, we Whatever, boil them right very, up. You have a very obvious owl problem in the house. <laughs> Don't look at the floors; they're covered. Just, just owls everywhere. Oh. oh my god.